Yo, yo, season three, yes. Uh, yo, thanks for tuning in to the Albert Tate Podcast. We are getting ready to launch season three. Uh, but I want to do something just a little different. I've got two special edition episodes. Um, one, I've got, I'm doing a conversation with my best friend in the world, Pastor Ricky Jenkins. Uh, he's a pastor of Southwest Church uh, in the Coachella Valley, uh, one of the fastest growing churches in America, uh, according to um, uh some Mac, outreach magazine, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't, I don't know the name of because I know I wasn't in it, so I'm a little bitter about that. But anyway, he's uh, a great friend, a great communicator. I've been, if you've been around my pages and stuff, you know, I've been preparing for this preaching masterclass, this great gathering that we got coming up, uh, February 10th through the 12th. So if you got time, this is out in time to do that. If this is sometime in August and you're somewhere running and you're listening to the podcast late, then don't even worry about that part. But preaching masterclass is something that's a big deal to me. We're talking about communicating, empowering preachers to communicate the gospel, and Ricky is just one of the greatest at it. So we talk um, about communication, about uh, the impact that communication has had on him, and we just tell some good stories about our life growing up and how we came to be uh, so passionate about communication. So check it out. Uh, you don't want to miss it. It's a it's a hilarious powerful, passionate conversation with me and my boy cutting up, but talking about communication. Check it out. Ricky Jenkins, Communication. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Are we good? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll just count you in, I guess. Then you you guys you guys know what you're doing more than, more than oh. what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing, so. You feel good, Alex? Yeah, I feel oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do I look comfortable? Or? This is like Arsenio and Eddie. Yeah. The Arsenio and Eddie episode. And please believe, I'm Eddie. <laughs> so this is, we're going to use all of this, Andy. I hope, I hope you get it all. That's really good. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, well. All right, we ready? Yeah, we'll go for it. Yeah. Huh? Let's do it. All right. All right. So, all right, here we go. In uh, three, two, one. Yo, my man Ricky Jenkins is in the building. I'm so excited. We um, get to talk to him today uh, on the Albert Tate podcast. Dude, it's good to have you here. What's up, dude? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm excited. Yeah, it's me too. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Me and Ricky are best friends. We talk every day, so this is probably going to be one of the most awkward episodes. Awkward. Uh, ever. Awkward. Because we talk all the time. But one of the things that um, this episode in particular, Ricky, from my perspective, is one of the best communicators of the gospel in the country. Um, and this episode is all about communication. Hmm. Uh, Rick, when was... Um, when was the first time, if you can remember, when you were moved significantly by someone's oratory skills? Like when you heard something or saw someone speak and you were like, whoa, <laughs> and it touched you and moved you? Man, that is, that's a great question. The first time 
I remember thinking something's happening here while someone is talking is my dad. Hmm. And he wasn't preaching and it wasn't planned. I couldn't have been 10 years old. And my dad was a minister of music before he started preaching. You know this. It was just a random Sunday, man, you know, just stuck in church. And my dad's playing a song. I'm not even paying attention. I'm 10. This is in a church service. This is in church service. Sweet Rest Church, Pearl, Mississippi, 1987, I think this was. And my dad's just playing a song, choir singing. My dad slams the piano and breaks down crying. Wow. And like it was awkward. Like the whole, you could hear silence around the church. The choir stops and everybody's just got the big eyes. Like what is going on? And my dad's just breaking down crying. And I think it was two things happening. One, why is my dad stopping the music? Two, I've never seen my father cry. So I'm just like, what's going on? And he just got up. And he testified and he was going through something, some stress going on with uh, him and my mom, stress going on at work and life. And I just remember the whole church was spellbound while he testified that I'm struggling, but I'm also trusting. Hmm. And I just remember as a 10 year old thinking, this is the most honest communication I've ever seen anybody do. Well, wow. I remember thinking, I remember leaving that day thinking, I'll never see truth the way that way like I saw it before and I'll never see my dad like I saw him before and that's when I started listening to people hmm. that that's when I started like seeing potential with things that you say and marrying things that you say with exactly what's going on with what you're feeling because that's what I saw I saw some deep emotion and feeling and passion come together with words and I was spellbound and you saw what happened in the room Yes, exactly. exactly. The shift that happened in the room. What yep. happened in the room? Yep, yeah. It was just a total like it was such a sudden unexpectation, right? Like no one's expecting the, the musician to stop playing in the middle of the song. So everyone stops. So that's an introduction, right? <laughs> so get their attention. It's like the scene in color purple. In the in the thing when he said when the key, when the piano plays, whoop, whoop, time to go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I just remember, like, it didn't matter if you're old, young, female, male, saved, unsaved. Everybody was, everybody was watching my dad, wow. and I've never seen people watch my dad. Not everybody. Wow. And I was one of them. And it was just, man, I, you know, I've, I've, I don't even think about that that much. But that right. question forced me to think about that. Well, that's what we do here. We ask great questions. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> when was the first time you saw it being done and you thought to yourself, I'm going to do that one day? Oof, man, it's, it's so many points. The, the first one was my first pastor, um, Reverend J.T. Hill. Mm. And uh, 12, 13 now, and just this old man. So at 12 or 13 years old, you... S oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, you know... I didn't know how I was going to pay for that kind of lifestyle, but I knew that I was going to to speak. I knew that I was supposed to be um, a prophet of sorts. Mm. I knew I was supposed to say something. I knew I was supposed to say something. What was what was what feel. was it about Reverend J T Hill? He believed it. He believed it. He believed it. And um, he was an old man. Reverend Hill had to be in his seventies then, so he's not even connecting with me on a cognitive level, right? Like twelve eighty. You know, it's not it's, it's that connection wasn't there, but I I would see him be so excited about Jesus, 
and his excitement was drew me. What drew me? His mm. words didn't, mm. but his excitement about his words, mm. right? And I, I just spellbound every Sunday. I just, you know, and I just kind of stare. So that was one moment when I was kind of young and figuring out, okay, what what may what might I want to be? When I kind of decided what I wanted to be, you were there. I see this guy Brian Loritz in Huntsville, Alabama, and we were starting off in our little careers. And me and Albert are in this room watching Brian Loritz, in my mind, the greatest communicator in the country, uh, for the very first time. And we were young preachers, so we were kind of like, who's this dude? Why aren't we keynoting? You know, because we have serious issues. And so Brian's up there preaching. Brian couldn't have been 25. We couldn't have been 21. Me and Albert (laughs) are on the outside of the little groupings of chairs. You remember this. Mm-hmm. And so there's an aisleway between us and I'm here and you're there. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, who's this, who's this cat, Loritz? You know, who's this cat? And he preaches, what's this, 25 years ago, 20 years ago? Yeah, I was just, over 20 years ago. So he's 25 preaching just like he does today at 45. And the dude's putting Jesus on the cross and taking him off and putting it back up again in the eloquence, in the cadence, in the poise. And the whole time we're like this. Unlike anything we'd ever seen before. I mean, we were spellbound, dude. Yeah. And we were both like, I remember me and you watching Loritz like this. <laughs> and then we'd look across at each other like this. <laughs> and then we look back up at him. And that's when it went from, I want to do that, to where I was like, no, I'm going to do yeah. whatever it takes. Wow. I'm going to do well, it. Well, and like then that. It, that was the moment when it became Jesus. Help me do that. <laughs> Very like, much so. Jesus, if there's any grace left yes. in my account, yes. charge it to me being yes. able to do like that. Absolutely. Because what he did, if I could do what he did, yep. then oh my yep. God. Yep. Like, well, yep. he redefined preaching for us. He redefined it. He and did. He gave us another vision of articulation. We got passion mm-hmm. from uh, yeah. our pastor, yep. Reverend Jenkins, yep. J.T. Hill, our, yep. your grandfathers, my yep. grandfathers. We got that. Yep. We got holiness. We got yep. righteousness. Yep. But the art mm-hmm. of rhetoric mm-hmm. and communication mm-hmm. and exegesis. Period. Period. Oh, man, Brian Loritz. Period. Yeah, he marked Period. us. He marked us. Um, when um, your first sermon, tell us about the first time you stood and preached in the first sermon. I'm not sure if that's helpful to anybody. Um, It'll be amusing for me to hear it again. (laughs) So um, old school church setting, trial sermon. Mm -hmm. And uh, my grandfather. Which means so back in the day, they'll do trial sermons. And they'll say, you know, the trial sermon is Sunday night. And then one time a guy got up, he preached and he says, well, so I would call it a trial sermon. Y'all come back next Sunday. He's going to try it again. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially. So this is your trial sermon. It's my trial sermon. Um, you know, I had three months to prepare. November 15th, 1998. Mm. So 20 years this year. And uh, I will never forget it. And, you know, I'm in college, but all I'm studying is for this sermon. Mm. I, read, I, read the, I read the New Testament. Easy maybe a couple of times, read most of the old that year. And, you know, I'm just waiting for God to kind of, <laughs> you're going to drop a word, going to drop a word. And nothing, nothing, three months, nothing. We, it was a Sunday night service. We have Sunday morning service. And I, I, I don't have a message. Nothing. 
There was nothing. I mean, I was blank. This is your first sermon. Invitations have gone out. Yep. The church is packed. The church is packed. People have come to support young Ricky Jenkins as he yep. preaches his first sermon. Yep. And that day you have no sermon. No, no, nothing. Nothing. And we've been doing Bible studies forever. We've been doing stuff forever. Just able to come up with the message and just blank. We, uh, you know, I got a brand new navy blue suit. Oh, yeah. Maroon iridescent tie. You was clean, Doc. You was Burgundy clean. Burgundy Cole Hans. Cufflinks. You was, I didn't, and I know you was clean because I was jealous. <laughs> so that's how I know you was clean. <laughs> I was clean. I remember we had dinner at Granddaddy's house. The whole family inside. I'm outside sweating, walking around the yard, thinking, "Jesus, you got to give me a word." But we get to the church, and dude, um, I was back in the back with the preachers, <laughs> and so it's like twenty preachers. Twenty. That's not hyperbole. It was twenty. And these dudes are 75, 95, 400 years old, and they're all in the study, and me and my dad are pacing. My dad's a pastor, so me and my dad are pacing in the hallway, and every five minutes, my dad will stop, and he'd look at me and say, you got it? And I'd be like, uh-uh, and we just keep on pacing, and he'd say, pacing what about now, you know? And man, the choir started singing. I still, I can still remember when we all get to heaven, and the mm-hmm. choir just, I mean, that they in there rocking in church. I'm directing the choir. Yes, exactly. So they were. I'm directing the choir when we all get to heaven. So they Gabriel were rocking. Jones is singing. Doc, you remember that? I remember. Yes, Gabe, Gabe, Gabe is singing. Gabe is singing. He sing the solo. Gabe yeah. is singing, and it, something hit me, and it was, it was nothing but the the spirit of God. Something said, something hit me that said, "Oh, you don't want me to know." And I just remember having some rest in the sovereignty of God because mm-hmm. it hit me that this isn't cognitive. Hmm. This isn't cerebral. This isn't math, and I put two plus two in it, I, I get out four. Hmm. This God wants me to be dependent and trust him. Hmm. I, I'll never forget that. And that doesn't happen all the time. Uh, but I remember thinking that, and something, man, I just got some grace over me. And before I knew it, now that I knew God had a plan, even though I did have a plan, I knew I was okay. Yeah. And I just remember just a confidence. And I got in the middle of 20 preachers. Ten on my front, nine on my back, whatever it was. And, dude, I just, i never forget. You were directing. Choir's belling out. We all walk out into the pulpit for the first time. So if you don't know black church culture, yeah. the black churches, the, the, the pastors are gathered in a study yep. in the pastor's office, if you will. Yep. Um, and then when it's time to go out, after yep. the first song or two, yep. they pray together in the back. Yep. And then they all process out. Yep. And they go up on the platform. Yep. And they all sit. And the yep. man that's preaching sits in the center chair. Yep. So for the first time in his life, Ricky is about to sit in the center chair. Yeah. So while we're singing, y'all process out. Yep, we process out. And, you know, it was kind of mystical. I didn't see anything. The church was packed. I didn't see anything. And I just remember walked up in black church culture. You don't, you've never been in a pulpit before unless you're a yeah, preacher. Yeah, because you can't go up there unless you're a pr- preacher. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you go over there, it's like demons will grab you. Oh, your shirt yeah. Your By the name of Aunt Leonia. Uh, uh-huh. Leonia and Cutting Annabelle. <laughs> Aunt Sophia. Aunt Sophia. They will grab you and snatch you down. And while you're crying, give you a piece of peppermint it's out the that purse. Tr- and say, boy, hush up. It's the truth. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we walk out. And then the thing is, you know this. All the preachers stand up in front of the chairs. Uh-huh. You make sure everybody's got so a chair. Everybody's standing. So I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the crowd in front of the big chair, and I look up, and I get a vision mm. of a mountain. Mm. I still remember. And stuff like this doesn't happen to me every day. But I, I can see a mountain. 
and I see kind of the clouds descending. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget. I see the words kind of spilling down off the mountain. A new dawn, a new fire, and a new you. Text, First Chronicles chapter seven, the verses passage. I had read it a thousand you times. You saw the text in I the passage I saw the text, as well. everything. Everything comes down. And in a, in, a, in, a, in a second, I had three point sermon. I knew it, knew it. And it was a miracle. It was mm. a miracle, 100%. And I remember when I, when I sat down, I had a message. And I knew it. Hmm. I knew it. And so, you know, it was one of those days and it was it was one of the, the most profound services. I mean, this brother preached. I still know the points. Folks in our church talked about that for months, if not years. And at the end of that service, many gave their lives to Christ. Yes. It was one of the most epic first sermons ever. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. un. Real. Yeah. It was unreal. Wow. Yeah. That was good. That was it. And you got a love offering. I got a love offering. Bless the Lord. Yeah. That suit is paid for now. Uh, now you can put some payments on That's that right. suit. That's right. I got some go more coal, huh? Go down to Oxford Street and yeah. put something on yeah. it. Burlington Co. Factory. Put some stuff on layaway. <laughs> Man, as a, <laughs> as a communicator, what's your, um, what's, your, what's your process and what do you pray before you go out on stage? So when I was in Pilahatchee, that was an old um, cedar block office. You, you've yep. been in there many times. Yep. Um, and Pilatch is a small little church in Mississippi. And this spider-infested cobwebs, white cinder blocks. I mean, it's just, it was not the most beautiful spot in the world. And my... Uh, I remember that office. It was scary. Oh, it's scary, Doc. My... Um, <laughs> My study would open up to the congregation. So once you open that door, yeah. you are faced with yeah. the, you know, the crowd that has gathered, all yeah. nine, ten of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you pull out. Uh, and I used to go in that bathroom, and I used to kneel at the toilet, and I used to pray at that toilet. Mm -hmm. And that was a moment of coming to Jesus, a, recogn a recognition of what I am mm -hmm. in my righteousness. Mm -hmm. I thought the toilet was, a, was, was equitable of my contribution. Mm -hmm. And it was a it was a humbling posture for me and a reminder for me That's good. of what I'm about to bring to this. Mm -hmm. um, I don't I don't bring anything. Mm -hmm. Jesus, you bring everything. Mm -hmm. Help me mm -hmm. as I step outside of this room. Mm -hmm. Ever since then, I kind of um, I kind of carry a toilet mm -hmm. uh, in my heart and in my mind, and I'll kneel down mm -hmm. before I preach. Mm. at that old toilet in Pilahatchee. Mm. And that's kind of the posture of the prayer that I pray. It's good. Any rhythms like that before you preach? What do you do? Yeah, it's, it's, it's changed over the years, um, but it grows more sincere with every passing year. I'm terrified. I'm, 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 I'm scared to death of preaching and communicating um, solely through my gifting. I'm terrified of it. I'm scared mm. to death. Mm. And people have told you all your life, you're one of the most gifted people they've ever heard. You're one of the most gifted people I've ever heard. And there's a lie in my head that says, you know exactly what to do to reach a certain objective. So it's almost like the compliments of people saying that you're gifted, the enemy uses it to play against you. Absolutely. Say, and that's all you are is gifted. So you're going to get up there and just use your gifts. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm just terrified of that. 
And so, um, and you know, I'd, I'll be remiss were not to say that mm, four or five times in my life that has happened. Oh yeah, yeah. tired or whatever. But so the pray our prayer, the prayer I pray now is God help me not to miss out on this for me. Mm. And so I pray every morning before I walk out, <laughs> it's the same prayer. Lord, use this word to transform me. Mm. Use this word to transform my marriage. Mm. Use this word to transform my parenting. And in fourth place is use this word to transform my church. Mm. And so it does a lot for me. One perspective. I need a word. Yeah. I need a word. And I can study and I can make points seen. And I'm scared to death, though, of just mathematically approaching the text. Yeah. So, Lord, use this mess with me, mess with me. And then, Lord God, mess with my first church. That's my wife. That's my wife. And mess with mess with how we'll live this out. Mess with my kids, God, because that's my legacy. That's the only thing I'm going to really leave behind that matters of any proven salt. But Lord, you have given me a task. Mm -hmm. So use the the use the process of messing with all of the Jenkins family and everything that you've placed in my hands to bear mm -hmm. upon these sweet people that I've been praying for throughout the week. Mm -hmm. So that's such a um, that's my that's my best ten seconds of mm -hmm. the week. Yeah, it's the safest, <clears throat> most um, vulnerable, naked, helpless sweetest most comfortable place in my soul is when i pray that prayer mm, and walk that's out good. that's I, that's why I, I love preaching i love the neediness of it more yeah i need it yeah so what sermon could you preach for the rest of your life uh john 15 uh verses 1 through 11 mm. um the vine the vine tether to the vine i could preach that right now i could go preach um joshua 7 and aiken right now um, again, two passages that I need to hear the most, staying connected to Christ and run, turning away from sin. Mm. <laughs> I need those two, you know, pretty much every day. Every day. So I don't know what every that day. says about me, but it's true. What advice would you have given yourself at 20 years old now? The young, the young you started preaching when you were 21? 20? Yeah, tw 21, first time. So what 21. advice now as a 40-year-old preacher? Mm. Would you give that 21-year-old mm. preacher? Oh, man. I would tell that guy. Ooh, that's a good one. I, I would tell that guy, keep doing what you're doing, but lean into the people even more. Mm. And I would, I would say that guy was a studier. That guy was studious. That guy loved preaching. And that guy loved people. But that guy didn't know anything about eisegetically um, reading your people. Mm. So me and you don't believe in looking into or draw, you draw out of the text, not draw into, into the, the text. text. Yeah. But you do eisegetically approach your people. Yeah. Right. Like you draw your people. Like you need to read your room and you need to read your people and you need to marry them in pastoral ministry. And you need to allow what God wants to do with those people through that word to be what how you define a sermon. You talk about not preaching to the paper, but preaching to the people. That's it. That's what does it. that mean? Yeah, well, it's for the young guys. The young guy, you're, you're preaching, you're teaching, 
you have the responsibility of a sermon and in truth, you're in front of people, you're young, you haven't done it as much, it's hard, you've been at work, you're tired, your wife didn't got on your nerves, more than likely you've got on her nerves, you got kids running around. All you're trying to do is get 30 minutes of presentation done. And too few times preachers don't do what the, the work to actually be with the people they're preaching to yeah. while they're preaching. It's right? not paying attention. They're paying attention to the they're to they're the getting a outline, their exactly. thing, but not paying attention to what God's doing exactly. in the room. Exactly. You gotta smell your people. Man, we do something at um at fellowship called Question of the Day. Um mm -hmm. so we turn around to our folks and we tell them to ask their neighbor a question, and we do it during fellowship time. Uh, every episode, uh, Doc, I have what we call a question of the day segment. Okay. And I just want to ask you a rapid fire round of questions. Okay. All right? So just be honest, just tell the truth. What would you just, you know, uh, be godly. All right? Okay. Here we go. Okay. If you could join any musical ensemble of all times, which one would it be? New edition. New edition. And easy. You, you would easily be the Bobby Brown of the group too. That's all I'm gonna tell you. That's all I'm gonna tell you. Mess Poe Whitney up. I'm Ralph. Uh, no, you ain't Ralph. You ain't Ralph. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you that right now. You ain't Ralph. You ain't Ralph. What is um? What is something that everyone else loves that you think is overrated? Um. I don't know. Um. Any 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 musical form our pop star that has come out since 2012. <laughs> I don't understand it anymore. I found my decade. I'm going to stay there. I am my parents. <laughs> I don't understand any of it. I can't appreciate any of it. <laughs> Music is dead. <laughs> Thank God for recordings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What, uh, what other pro profession <laughs> did you consider pursuing? Law. A lawyer. Law. Yeah, it's going to be uh, uh, the next Thurgood Marshall. Mm. What is um, what is something you're bummed that you're still bad at? In the communication sphere? No, any, anywhere in life. Um, man, I am still, uh, you know, if I am tired, uh, frustrated, having a bad day, I can be a jerk. Yeah. I can just be a butthole. Yeah, you can. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So even now, that's my prayer this year is to find generosity and grace when I'm frustrated and loving people well when my tank is low. Wow. And um, it's it's very convicting. And um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. That's what mm -hmm. I do. Well, Doc, you, you called that one. Reverend you nailed this, that this, one. This kind of intimate right now. Well, can it's we, supposed to be. This is good. about Cheetos? Uh, well, you know, here's here's a. Uh, <laughs> nah, it gets deeper from here. Gets deeper and deeper. Uh, <clears throat> can't finish that line. Um, all right. No. What is right? Right. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, you Not that I know the line. line. I've never heard uh, that song. Of course you don't. Ever. Okay. What's something you used to say and that you were comfortable with saying that you no longer are comfortable with saying? Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. I used to have. Um, um, a haughtiness with my wisdom. I believe I have to get the wisdom. And I used to have a self-righteousness with it. Mm. And so I used to have to take a lot of pride in uh, telling people, don't do that. Mm. And, and the way of, now we're supposed to say all of that was sinful stuff, 
But if I didn't think something was a good idea or the best idea, my, my righteousness, oh, it's terrible. And I would say, don't do that. Mm. And so now the Holy Spirit is teaching me how to say, okay, well, what do you need help with mm. in that? And that we're people, man, and that God is telling a story and his own story in all of us. And you need to let people live. And mm. I need more grace with people letting me live. My wife and you and so many others are giving that. And I've been turning a quarter, corner since I hit 40. I'm mm. trying to give that. Yeah. back to other people. Hmm. So That's yeah. good. What is something you pray a lot about but you don't talk about? I pray a lot about being the real deal. Hmm. I really want to be an authentic Christian. Hmm. I really want to love Christ. I really want to be in love with him. I do his work. I'm not even worried about doing his work. I pray a lot daily. Please help me be real. Mm. Please help me not miss out. Please help me to walk in your way. I pray that every day. Mm. Every day. It's good. Reverend, can you have something a little more lighthearted? Doc, doc, come on. Let's go. The spirit is leading. Come on now. Jeez, slow feet. <laughs> Goodness. I love it. What, um. Barbara Walter and me up in this jet. <laughs> good Lord. Uh, um. When was the last time? Andy, you said no laughing. Oh! <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> when was... Uh... <laughs> well done. Um, when was the last time you had to say I'm sorry? Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ knows it was with my wife. Um... It was um, two weeks ago. Yeah, it was two. It was two weeks ago. Um, gosh, it was actually a big deal. It was a small. I was late, and I just forgot. Time got rolling. I promised my wife I would be somewhere. She had to go to a dinner party, and I look up and I'm late, and I'm just profusely apologizing. And texting, babe, I'm so sorry, mama, I'm so sorry. And she was gracious to me, and it, it wasn't a big deal. But that had happened, like, twice in the last six weeks or so. And as the spirit, she gave me grace, she left, she was fine. She was fine. But I didn't have any rest. Mm. And I just felt the spirit saying, don't do this. Mm. This is something you can control. And so I'm truly committed to being there when I say I'm going to be there. It's a mm. small thing, but it's a big thing. Hmm. But that's what I had to say. I'm sorry. Reverend, can we really real talk? Yo, yo, can I run my, well, this is the Albert Tate podcast. Can <laughs> I ask my questions, Jeez. please? What, um, what is something that is often misunderstood about you? People, um, um, yeah, um, in my humble opinion, um, I am, I am relational. Mm -hmm. I'm not relationally driven. Hmm. And so. <laughs> what, is, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> well, what you, what you never hear from your people is what, and what I hear from mine is how nice a guy. <laughs> you hit your mic. <laughs> okay. But what I, 
What I mean by that is like people see you and me uh-huh. in a sermon and we we are vulnerable communicators and we tell stories about mm-hmm. our lives and there's no such thing as a secret seemingly when we're on stage. And that's just who we are. That's how we're wired to be. But I'm actually way more private in my regular life and I'm way more um, introverted than what uh-huh. people think I am. Uh-huh. And so... Um, I think people will be surprised to know that I need at least two hours by myself every day. Yeah. I think people will be surprised to know that I actually don't have to go out hardly ever. Like church and being at home with my family are like my two greatest yeah. <laughs> loves in the world. So I think that's misunderstood yeah. is that the 30 minutes on Sunday becomes all of who I am yeah. or whatnot. And there's just more. I think there's more to me than that. And it's not that exciting. And, yeah. you know, so that's me. It's good. How we doing? We all right? We're good, yeah. The music starting to come through. Is that what it was? Is the yeah. music out there? Yeah. We're wrapping up. Yeah, we're wrapping up. We're good. We're good? Yeah. What is, uh, two more. Rick. Yep. yep. Uh, what is one area of your leadership you're still growing in? Patience. Mm. Patience. Bob Goff today was preaching about great patience. It's like, don't have that. Mm. So, yeah, just um, I um, am learning that I have two-pound ideas with a 10-pound voice. Mm. And as a senior pastor... I'm just saying something that I think is, ah, what about this? I am not respecting the fact that my people are hearing, do this now or else. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I got a two pound idea, 10 pound voice. How do I get that voice to respect that? Yeah. Um, how do I value people? Um, and then there's just times where I want to run faster than what we are. And it's not about running fast, it's about running well. Hmm. And so patience hmm. to do that well and steward that. So It's so interesting. That's not a problem in my leadership at all. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As my staff dies laughing behind I the I see cameras. them. I see them. There's <laughs> belly aching and knee slapping right now. Ricky Jenkins, my man. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Albert Tate Podcast. To stay connected, make sure to subscribe to the Albert Tate channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. You can follow along with Albert on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube.